0: Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator.
1: And Martha, the co-pilot. And before we get too far into this podcast, we want to apologize for our scratchy voices and sneezes that are going to punctuate this um, particular program because we are both in recovery from nasty colds. But we're talking to you live from the balcony of our condo in Cabo San Lucas with a great view.
0: After having traveled uh, many miles from home, we... uh, are going to make the major focus of today's uh, episode the trip on the sailboat that we did uh, from La Paz, Mexico, which is on the Baja, on the east side of the Baja, about halfway down the Baja, and from there we sailed for about 10 days, and we um, ended up here at a condo in Cabo before heading home. But dear listener we are always thinking about the podcast and we brought along our portable broadcasting studio so that you could share in this exciting adventure with us
1: and even though we can't talk too much about rving this month because we haven't been doing that i was struck by how similar um much of the sailing experience was to the rv lifestyle we uh did not Uh, have much experience sailing before except for going out for day trips and we joined three other couples and bare boated uh, which means that we were in charge of the boat and we had to stock it ourselves and plan our meals and plan our itinerary and those things felt very much like they do when you're getting ready to go on an RV trip.
0: But before we get off into those topics, we want to, uh, first of all, thank you very much for listening and uh, keep those emails coming. We are actually doing this kind of at the behest of several emails that I received uh, from Brett and from Sue, of chastising us for not having the podcast up on May 1st. And we realized that we're just a bit late. We didn't get off the boat until May 1st, and we were totally out of touch. Uh, so we are doing this just as, as soon as we can, and we'll promise to put ourselves back on schedule. We also want to thank uh, other listeners. Pamela, thank you for making comments about uh, our conducting of the podcast. We know that we sometimes step on each other's thoughts, but it's just our natural way, and we're trying to correct it. We're both firstborn children, and we're both willful and always right. Those are always constructive and helpful criticisms, and we will try to take it to heart. And to listener Jim. Who sent us a very nice email about uh, his uh, boating experiences, and he's been actually uh, reading our blog, I guess, and uh, where we talk on a on a daily basis about exactly what's going on. And if you'd like to read that, that's at my trip journal W I S E M A N. And uh, My Trip Journal is a great place to, uh, to put your blogs about your travels because it has great maps and uh, it allows you to put up pictures and movies and things. And so we uh, strongly recommend that as a second as a blogging experience rather than a podcasting experience.
1: And if you haven't gotten enough of uh, all of the things that we've talked about during the podcast, yes. you can read about them in <laughs> more detail at mytripjournal.com. My you left off the com. Oh, geez,
0: sorry. Ah, but it is such a beautiful day. We don't know what's going on back in the United States, but it certainly is pleasant down here in the Baja. Uh, this was a trip, uh, and as I say, we're going to talk mostly about this trip, but I uh, just one quick comment about the, the RVing world. I noticed that uh, Alpha Leisure, who made the Sea uh, Motorhome, Motorhomes, has... Also going out of business uh, every month, we seem to talk about a new company going out of business. Wait, one of the one of the stayed companies in the RV industry going out of business, and with a twenty five percent reduction in the sales of RVs so far this year, that's indicative of uh, a, a very weak market for the RV industry. So. That's about all I, re- I really know about what's going on in the last uh, since the last episode. So now we'll uh, talk a little bit about the main topic of this show, and that is the sailing experience. Uh, there were eight people on board our ship. T- uh, two of the couples. couples, right, actually RV'd their way down to the Baja and met us in La Paz. And we have done the same trip with
1: a caravan about three years ago, so we decided not to join them again. And one thing I thought about was, uh, would it be okay to do this trip without the comfort of the group experience in the caravan and having a leader and clearly our friends did just fine um, especially in the Baja part of Mexico the signage is quite good and while the roads are narrow uh, they are drivable by the 18 wheelers that come up and down this peninsula bringing everything narrow, the people narrow, who narrow. need here everything they need to live is brought here that way so uh, our friends didn't really have any particular difficulties it just was that they couldn't drive as fast as they're used to at home and there were no shoulders on the roads but they felt quite safe and and made good progress down here so clearly you don't need to have the comforts of a caravan to enjoy the Baja in your RV.
0: Especially the Baja and we found that uh, actually infrastructure is substantially better than it was when we were here last time. They tell us that they have found 50 amp service in many campgrounds which is good including La Paz where they left their RVs for the 10 days that we were on the boat. They have had very good experiences and of course you all realize that there are Costco's and Walmart's and Sam's and all the the usual stores that you find at home and my ATM works fine and uh, as a matter of fact, the, the peso is actually doing a little bit better against the dollar. So, And the gasoline prices
1: oh, yes. and the diesel prices yes, were definitely. much better than they are in the States. So that's another selling point. Yes,
0: uh, about two eighteen for diesel right now. So that's uh, a big plus. We had another group of uh, our friends who were a group of four who spent, the, they just sent us an email about spending 98 days on the mainland of Mexico traveling all the way down to Puerto Vallarta and further south, and, and they all made it back safely. Um, they had one car accident. That's one thing you don't want to have is any accidents, but uh, their car is back in the United States now, and... I suppose will be fixed. We haven't actually talked to them firsthand, but
1: so I would say, if you do come to Mexico in your RV, uh, the main thing you do need to be concerned about is the conditions of the roads and the size of the campgrounds. So you want to be ready to do some boondocking and drive in a much more gingerly fashion well, than you do at home. Um, have have good tires before you start. Maybe bring a few extra things that could break along the way, but. but, not food. but but you don't have to worry about the people here. They are very friendly, very helpful, and uh, if something breaks that is mechanical or can be welded, uh, these folks come out of the bushes to help you and charge very reasonable rates. So in that way, I think you have a more positive camping experience in Mexico than you do in the States. Yeah,
0: I would absolutely agree with that, and the Mexican people are just extremely friendly, friendly. And just like there aren't any any gangsters left in Chicago, there are probably no banditos left in, Me- in Mexico, the way we think about banditos uh, preying on tourists and causing problems that way. So uh, overall, the RVing experience is different. Now, I'm titling this episode, RVing on the Water, because... When we go to RV shows and we talk to people, and, and you just think about the water, the, the, the sailboat, the sailing experience, you think about uh, it as being kind of RVing on the water. Uh, we go to the RV shows, and a lot of the gizmos and gadgets that I take a look at and, and are interested in buying, these people have just come from a boat show where they were demonstrating the same things. Um, you know, the the radios and the batteries and the and all of those things that we that we buy for RVs are specialized. We think they're specialized, but in actuality, they've been in boats for years.
1: And a lot of the storage and organizational things, uh, you worry about things bouncing around in your RV and you worry about them bouncing Bought around them in your around. in your boat. So uh,
0: we have a lot of the same problems and issues. We kind of thought that it would be a very similar experience. So we rented a bare boat from the marina at Moorings, which is a worldwide company that rents sailboats or boats, powerboats. Yeah,
1: ours was a catamaran. Ours was a catamaran.
0: It was a forty-three foot and about uh, twenty-three feet wide. There were eight of us, four cabins, four heads that included showers, uh, a main galley area, and of course, we'll put some pictures up on the uh, on our website. Uh, the RVNavigator.com website, to, to, to so that you could see these things, and it had um, two sails, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which we har- I don't know what they're called, <laughs> which we hardly ever got to use. I think one was called a jib. That that was a disappointing um, factor, yeah. especially to the, the man who led the, the four couples, who was a sailor, because it seemed like everywhere we wanted to go, the wind was coming into our faces rather than supporting our backs. Which also reminds me of RV travel, because it seems like whenever we are driving our motorhome on a lengthy journey, the wind is not
0: there to help us. They call this sailing uh, in the La Paz area as Año Sailing, which means... No, Yo-Yo Sailing. You're on your own. I thought it was Año.
1: On no. your own. No.
0: Yo-Yo-Yo. <laughs> no. Basically, the bottom line is is, is that once you leave, leave La Paz, you are on your own. And that means that you have to carry all your water... And, and, uh, gas gas and gas and food. And everything you're going to need and, for the time that you're gone. And there's no Coast Guard. No so this is a really pristine experience. And the La Paz coast, up the Baja, we went north uh, from La Paz, is extremely rugged and desolate.
1: And dotted with little coves uh, with beautiful beaches, and then lots of cactus because it is so very dry. And it's and the guidebook information that Mooring's gave us made it pretty easy to navigate and to decide where uh, good places were to pull off for the night into coves and drop anchor because obviously there were no
0: docks or piers or anything like that. It was just so picture us technology uh, geeks that we are. With no electricity for ten days, much less the internet, satellite, no TV, no radio, no. Unless you want to listen to the Marine Net.
1: So, dear listeners, do understand why we couldn't get the podcast <laughs> up any earlier?
0: Yes, it was a very isolating experience, and and one, which which was positive overall uh, for eight adults to get together um, who didn't know each other and to sail. For ten days is probably an accomplishment in and of itself. But there was no conflict for me because I have no idea how to sail, so I just let, uh, the, I just hoist the anchor with the with the windlass.
1: Uh huh. You did what the captain told <laughs> I you I to do.
0: The told me whatever he needed it done. And of course, there were no ports, and so that unlike with an RV where you pull up to a kind of a campsite and you plug yourself in and that sort of stuff, we just dropped anchor in a cove. And that was where we stayed the night, so it was free.
1: Watch the sunset, watch the stars come out. Got up with the birds, we went, went, to, went bed to bed with up. the birds.
0: <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, as I say, an isolating experience in many ways. Uh, you get to know people pretty well, but we had our iPods along, and we listened to lots of other podcasts. <coughs> so we've we've caught up, but we were not able to rejuvenate ourselves and get uh, and get more information. But uh, we don't want to dwell on that. Uh, the sailing experience is uh, is one which is quite exciting because you're at the mercy of the winds and you can you're out there bobbing around and and uh, you can kind of go where you want to. There are lots of people, as we found out, who are called liveaboards, which in RV terms would be full timing, full timing. Right, there are as many of them probably as there are
1: RVers. And I was surprised by this. I shouldn't have been, but I was, because I found living on a boat far more yes, confining than living in an RV. And uh, we, we were kind of trained about what to expect by a man who was living with a family of five on a, on a boat smaller than ours. And there was just nowhere to put That's anything. We brought duffel bags on board, and we never bothered to unpack because there was nowhere to put anything.
0: So I guess as long as the weather's warm, you don't really care, do you? We haven't worn many of our clothes because we didn't need them um, because the weather has been the same all the time. And that's one of the really nice things about the weather down here on the Baja. And I can certainly see why timeshares and the development of this area is just astronomical. And La Paz, if you're thinking about going to some place that's kind of undeveloped, is a good place <laughs> to go because it has uh, not yet hit a big tourist boom but is a city that's under transition, and that means that uh, its tourist infrastructure is being built, and it is uh, is quite an exciting city to, to visit, and, and quite a large city. I think it's the largest city on the Baja. It's the south capital of, south of the border, right? Uh, you know, not we're not including Tijuana or places like that. The weather is ideal. Ideal, unlike any place else that we've found, the weather on the whole Baja. The, the whole Baja is very desert which means very dry. But, of course, virtually any place in the Baja, you can go to the ocean within just a few minutes. Of course, we were on it. So unlike other areas like Florida or the northern climes uh, in the summertime, where it's that beach smell, the, the smell of the ocean, the humidity, and and lots of uh, you know hot temperatures along with high humidities, this area is high temperatures, but very low humidities.
1: And I don't know if this was typical, but we didn't experience any of the marine layer that we suffered from farther north in San Diego, and certainly San Francisco has a lot of heavy fogs roll in. Uh, that didn't seem to be an issue here
0: either. Yeah, no no humidity to, to, to manage that. And so we sit here on our balcony, we have uh, virtually unlimited visibility to the horizon. It's very clear. You know, the skies are just the bluest of blue, and the water is just... Staggeringly beautiful, that Caribbean blue water. And it's uh, been like that every day that we've been here. This is, we're coming up on three weeks.
1: And it's typical of a desert climate. There's yes. about a 35-degree temperature, temperature change between right. uh, sunrise and sunset. And in the late afternoon, some days it got up to 100, but it didn't feel oppressive like it would uh, at, in Chicago at 100 degrees. Very much so, and yes. uh, we didn't miss not having an air conditioning or a furnace because it cooled down nicely at night Which and you could sleep other, just fine.
0: Another thing about these boats is there is no climate control besides opening the windows. And when we, frankly, when we were in our in our La Paz condo, it got down into the six, about sixty, and even sometimes into the upper fifties at night. And I thought, ooh, it's going to be cold. But out on the water, I guess the water mitigates the temperature, and so we were very comfortable in shorts. But at night, it did get to be pleasantly cool, so that we could sleep without much trouble. Even though during the day, it would get to a hundred, and we could have
1: had. So. It air conditioning if we had been in a marina
0: well and yes. plugged
1: in somewhere
0: but we had no genset. so this is like boondocking well boondocking to the extreme i would say i mean boondocking in the sense that well at least with boondocking you can get off the, out of the rv and go somewhere, somewhere? In car <laughs> All we had was a six passenger dinghy Which we could go to the beach.
1: And a pair of flippers. And a pair of
0: flippers. (laughs) Right. So you couldn't go very far. And even if you were on land, there was no place to go. And, of course, we did take the dinghy many days and go to shore and hike and walk around and and use the beach and things. But even that, you know, you don't have any chairs or anything. The comfort level of living on a bear boat is uh, not... Minimal. Yeah,
1: And the other thing that really bothered me, when we are in our RV, uh, we have a refrigerator freezer that, when we boondock, works very well um, on propane. And this thing had supposedly a freezer and a fridge, and we filled it full of blocks of ice, and still it didn't hold any of our food.
0: Yeah, we were a little bit nervous when we first started about whether it would... Our, the boat had the capacity for enough food for... Uh, eight of us for ten days. Eight of us for ten days, exactly. And the, I was surprised that it had propane on board. The stove, which was a two-burner stove, a large burner and a small burner, and then a propane oven. And I was surprised they had propane because my understanding is that propane is heavier than air. Therefore, it would sink in... Into the holes and could possibly into our cabin. Into the cabins and possibly explode if it, you know, if we' got a leak or something.
1: So if they did have propane, why on earth didn't they use it a to nice cool the refrigerator like we do in our motorhome?
0: So we need some help here. Well, somebody needs to tell us, clue us in on this. Nobody on our boat, boat could tell us, but they need to have one of the nice big RV refrigerators because the refrigerator refrigerator system that they had was called cold pack. Okay, you tell me what that means, and it had and it ran off the battery, and of course we had very limited battery capacity, so that by morning we were pretty much dead if things ran all night, and you couldn't run anything like fans or we couldn't do our computing or poor us, poor us we lead such a terrible life, but this was on our bucket list, so this is one of those things that we decided that we wanted to do at least once in our life.
1: I would say that uh, boondocking prepared me pretty well for the bathroom issues. Uh, We've certainly stayed in smaller motorhomes where the bathroom is the shower, is the toilet, is the sink, kind of all built in, and uh, when you're boondocking, you're used to taking a very short, quick shower and conserving the water, And, and that was fairly similar to what we've had In RVs, I'd say.
0: And uh, I do want to mention that we did uh, visit uh, several small villages that were Mexican villages. And frankly, I think we were living as well as those people. They were living on land. Because they didn't have electricity either. The whole coast is uh, these little villages of five and ten people, five and ten families. Fishermen. Fishermen type people. And they were not on any road. (laughs) And we would go into the little town and... uh, they would sell fish so we could have fresh fish. We were living pretty much as they were living, only they were living on the land, uh, and they used uh, fishing boats that they call pangas to go out and uh, and collect the fish, and I assume they had some sort of way to sell them. As a matter of fact, we went to one island, about the rockiest, unforbidding island that you can imagine, and there were five families living there, but they had a store. There was one store that we visited.
1: And we bought some jewelry.
0: I guess everywhere people are willing to... A
1: necessity to of life. And how was the jewelry? <laughs> well, for considering what they had to work with, it was nicely
0: done. Shells and things, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and of course we did a lot of shell collecting. So basically we uh, left La Paz and we, well, I would like to say sailed, but we motored north for a couple of days. And of course you can't go very far in a, in a boat like that. Yeah. So we motored north and we... Uh, would stop at a cove, and we had this guidebook that would kind of tell us what's at the cove. And, boy, I got some terrific pictures. Of, you know the sailboat sitting in its little pristine harbor and
1: we saw whales and we saw so, porpoise swimming with us yeah, and tons area. of fish the Sea of Cortez is just bursting with marine life and the water is very clear uh, and you can really see it going on beneath you without a glass bottom boat or a snorkel you just look down at next to the dinghy and there everybody was swimming around
0: yeah and it was very interesting to watch all the wildlife uh, of course we had lots of time and plenty of binoculars and things to look at it with we were able to Watch the pelicans uh, do their thing and how they fish, and you know, watch the great sunsets.
1: One other thing that impressed me was that two of the areas that we stopped are, are designated as national parks oh, by yes, Mexico yes. fairly recently, and one was quite close to La Paz and it would have been very easy to give in to temptation of having real estate developers uh, put up some more condos and bring some more tourists down but track. but the government stepped in and has made these national parks uh, not in our sense of the word at least at this moment uh, because you know there weren't there wasn't signage and there weren't rangers um or explanations of anything but it was going to be kept in a pristine manner and and that's a precious thing these days
0: and they've done a nice job of that as, as martha said they are trying to keep this area pristine and of course it's a huge area and it's amazing that uh that it's not more developed um, there just are no roads in this area and if you've done the baja you know that there is virtually one road that you drive up and down it and then you take a little side path to go to a town and that might be on the coast but other than that that's that's the baja and it is virtually all desert it's, and and of course when you get down to cabo we are at the very very bottom tip of the baja and it is uh, quite developed tons of americans and uh, your dollar works here and you can. You
1: yeah, know, and certainly in Cabo, well. I would say the prices are very comparable to what you would see at a resort in the States. You don't have the
0: bargains here that you might still find in the rest of Mexico. Although we should mention, maybe, that uh, just to get off topic just a bit, that uh, a, a website that you should be using if you do travel outside of your RV is uh, Vacation Rentals by Owner, and that is VROB.com.
1: VRBO. VRBO. Vacation Rentals by Owner. VRBO.
0: VRBO VRBO.com. Don't listen to me. And this, uh, we have used this now several times to find condos for rental in vacation spots. It has worked out very well. Now we are the kind of people that we don't really demand that our beds be made every day. As a matter of fact, we don't want to have to eat out every day, so we like to have a kitchen. Kind of like an RV. Yeah,
1: having the RV lifestyle with a suitcase vacation. Oh, So now we've got...
0: Water RVing, suitcase (laughs) RVing, and we've got RV RVing. You know, something else.
1: Is there going to be living at living at home RVing too? Living at home—that'll
0: be the next episode. yes. (laughs) Okay. And we don't want conference rooms and all that sort of stuff. But we do—you know—we do like to have a pool and you know nice facilities. And certainly now we have a a great view, uh, which is nice. But when you use VRBO, you are renting from the owner. So that you can see the exact uh, unit that you'll be living in, and you can sometimes negotiate prices and and decide uh, what features you want. I think probably we've talked about this before, but it's a it's a great website and it has come through for us again here. Plus the fact that the price is very reasonable. I mean, we're paying on the order of a hundred dollars a night for a what I'm sure in a hotel would be a couple three hundred dollars a night
1: in this location, plus especially have
0: to buy food. We've bought food at the
1: Super Walmart like we, we always do. Super
0: Walmart. I never thought I'd be a super Walmart fan, but it is nice to have a store that you recognize right around here. So the sailing experience uh, lasted ten days. I think would have preferred probably seven rather than ten.
1: It's hard to know when you've never been in an area before, especially in that way. Um, but we found that the little sandy coves and the cactus and the fish got it's to the be same. the same day after
0: day. Yeah, a fish is a fish, to be, unless you're a marine biologist. Or something. Yeah, I'm really into the flora and fauna Two of the of area. We're very interested in flowers and birds and that sort of stuff, <laughs> and they seem to take great delight in finding the tiniest of flowers and <laughs> extolling their virtues. And figuring out th- what they were. And yes, they run of the books and all sorts of interesting and bird things. books. And Me, a colorful bird is a colorful bird, and I like to take a picture of it. But uh
1: there wasn't enough electricity for you.
0: Well, we're sorry about the sudden jump, but we had a microphone meltdown, which is Technical what happened. which is what happens when you are recording on the road. But. We're back again, and it has been some time since we talked last, but uh, we're going to continue here. And I was talking about uh, electricity on the ship and, well, the boat. This is not a ship. But uh, the only way I could get uh, 120 was to use an, a little tiny inverter from Radio Shack that would charge the batteries on our computers. and our. I mean, we had tons of stuff being charged.
1: You brought an extension cord with a multi-plug, and then you put a multi-plug into the multi-plug.
0: So we had cameras. We had computers being recharged. But overall, it was hard to use... Uh, much electricity because we could only do that charging when the engines were running and then we had to run on battery power and because our computers don't run very long on battery power, uh, that meant that we couldn't do much uh, photo editing and Video editing and blog writing, blog writing, and all those important things that we have to do as electronic travelers. Travelers, right? So that was a definite hardship as we sailed across the basically calm waters, which was uh, probably pretty good for us too. A couple of our group had those uh, patches on that you often see people wear, and they seemed to work pretty well because when they didn't have them on, they got seasick. <laughs> We're a little worried as before we left because we were thinking that for 10 days of supplies, including water for everybody, the provisioning would be rather difficult.
1: And when we first made arrangements to uh, rent this catamaran, we had a choice of provisioning it ourselves or hiring the company to do it for us. And they apparently do that a lot. They had these kind of prepackaged checklists of food you could check off that you like or don't like, and they would load it on and buy it for you. But it was like $55 a day per person, and we thought, surely we can provision ourselves more Cheap, and as it turned out, that, we did. And uh, we're retired; we have the time. Uh, La Paz has some decent, good-sized grocery stores. We spent the vast majority of our money at a Price Club, which is kind of like yeah. a Costco or a Sam's, which
0: offered a one-day membership for a buck.
1: The other thing that was very helpful was that uh, the captain's wife had done this sort of trip before and had prepared about half the entrees, at least the meat part, uh, at home, and she had frozen. The them rock solid and wrap them in those little Ziploc cool. bags you can buy these days where you pump the air out after you close it. So uh, they're really professionally packaged, you don't get freezer burn. And so her motorhome freezer was full of all these entrees already ready to go. And so we just had to buy the food that would go with it. And uh, some of the other things that we bought were obviously canned goods, but we found some bacon at home that had been pre-cooked and just needed to be reheated. And here in Mexico, they have that long-life milk that comes in a box that's been radiated, so you don't have to refrigerate it. And they have juices in uh, boxes that are easy to transport, and you don't worry about the glass breaking. So we did quite well. In fact, we did a little too well in our paranoia that we were going to run out of yes. food along the way, and liquids in particular, we really overjetted. So some of the things didn't last too well. Uh, Mexicans don't put preservatives in their baked goods and breads the way we do, so we started seeing a lot of mold in that area. Uh, the bananas we bought uh, ripened instantly and then turned into pulp, uh, but for our two-burner stove and our little oven, uh, the food that we bought uh, worked out quite well, and if you have ever seen a picture of us, you know we haven't been starving before, and we didn't starve on this trip either.
0: But it did take, we had two cars, and we filled them both up, you know, between uh, three-quarters of a gallon of water a day per person, and sodas and other sort of good stuff that we wanted to eat. Uh, we had quite a load full of stuff, and I was, as I said, a little worried that we wouldn't be able to find uh, space on the ship, but in actuality, they have designed these with uh, fairly large holes.
1: Well, like an RV. Every little cubby yeah. hole that they can, they make into some kind of storage. But I think it, it had more
0: capacity per square foot or something for the, the size other, of the boat. The
1: only way to think about was uh, garbage on the other end yes. because when you're camping Yeah, you had to save
0: space for the garbage. There's
1: usually a dumpster you can get yeah. rid of the garbage, but here we were in this constant quandary. Do we wash the dishes and use up our precious water or, or do, do we, we use yes. paper plates and generate all this garbage?
0: Which are concerns that we don't usually have when we're in the RV, when we're land RVing rather than water RVing. And of course, uh, we don't want to forget the other ways Product that we had as we
1: well, it was a typical marine toilet well um, i don 't
0: know typical we haven 't used too many and of those here well, and, to
1: day trips, we've
0: and no holding tanks, tanks ladies and gentlemen, you just kind of pump everything right out into the water, and we were careful not to um,
1: pump while we were swimming well off pump the
0: boat. while we were swimming, so to speak, so the dishwater here you can understand is kind of floating out but uh, the black side water, of the hull, the side of the hull of the boat just had these ports, and you went into your bathroom and did your thing, and psh, 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 pump, yeah. pump, 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 and out it went. Yuck!
1: I wonder if that's true for all over.
0: I don't think so because I think they said the Caribbean you had to be pumped out, but we didn't have any waste tanks in this part of the world. Custom-designed <laughs> sailboat that it was; it was uh, made for this area, and so it just exited things right there.
1: Another thing that kind of puzzled me, when when we are traveling in our motorhome these days, um, you've heard me rant and rave on previous podcasts about how much I love our GPS, especially because I'm the navigator and I'm navigationally impaired, and it was very frightening to me the last two times we were in Mexico because the maps aren't very good and there were no GPS maps at all. And this time, right before we came, Ken found that there are some GPS maps available now for, for our, our Garmin. Garmin. Yes. And we use them to navigate around town in La Paz and to drive here to Cabo. And they're not perfect, but they're pretty good. Of course. Although when I... Where um, is
0: our condo, ma- condo located?
1: When I marked our condo after we arrived here, it was in the middle of the deep blue sea. <laughs> so uh, things are still a little We're bit close, off, but, but but it was helpful. Now, of course, on a boat, you worry about navigation as well. And we did oh, have much more. a GPS, but it seemed to have well, the it same was kind a, of problem.
0: It was a, a charting GPS, and it had the electronic charts of the area built right into it. So you'd think that it would be very accurate. And, of course, things like shoals and shallow areas and rocks and things can be very important uh, as you're trying to navigate. Our draft was not uh, too great, so... It was not overly critical for us, but for big sailboats um, with uh, a big keel, with a big weight on the bottom, that could be a serious problem. As we found out, the electronic maps were not very good and we asked our briefing captain exactly what the problem was and he said well these charts were actually uh, taken in the 1880s and they really haven't changed much since then but of course the area has changed so that uh, we're using very inaccurate charts and he said one of the biggest problems they have is, is that people are staring at their screen on their GPS instead of looking out at the land and so they occasionally run aground because they were not paying real close attention to the physical area around them rather than looking at their screen when they thought it was so accurate.
1: So our captain had paper maps and the GPS. No, no,
0: charts. Charts. We don't call them maps.
1: And, um, and, his, own, and his own eyeballs. And, and we didn't have any trouble, and we ended up where we meant to end up. But it, it was a little disconcerting because I remember one time where it kind of maps the route as you go, and, and we had sailed right over the land. So it was the same
0: problem. Yeah. Well, but, it, yeah, but our chart... Didn't have well, it did have the ability, but it it just was a straight shot. So you had to do your headings and bearings and whatever on waypoints, which we of course don't use in the in the car because or in the in the RV because it's uh, going on the roads and the GPS understands the roads. But in the water, there are no roads. A lot has happened since the last time we spoke with you, and uh, I'm sure many exciting things will happen in the next month, and we'll try to be on time. For, we should
1: be on time. We'll for be the at next, next, home. We may not have many interesting experiences to share. Oh, we will always share,
0: have interesting things to say.
1: But our technology should I be I can better. see
0: everybody going, ah, finally it's over.
1: And hopefully we'll be done coughing by then.
0: So hopefully we didn't talk too much and bore you very much about the... <laughs> Sailing adventure, but uh, it was something we've always wanted to do, and we did have a good time doing it. And now we can uh, check it off as another exciting adventure in the travel. On handbook. the bucket list. On the bucket list. Okay. So, with that, uh, we will say that. Uh, hope to hear from you soon. Please uh, leave us a message on our hotline and send us an email if you get a chance. Uh, Give us your thoughts. Tell us what you'd like to hear about, especially for next month because we don't have any real topics to talk about, but I'm sure we'll find interesting things. This is Ken, your RV navigator.
1: And Martha, the co-pilot, wishing you happy travels and good health.